If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Film Drifters. Our show provides film and TV reviews from four friends that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and this week joining me is none other than Kat Vlasnikova. Welcome back, Kat. Hey, 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 hey. Happy belated birthday. A I heard month you, late. Uh, yeah. Well, we haven't recorded. You and I haven't recorded in a while. I recorded an episode with John last week, which uh, we have yet to post. But uh, yeah, so you you uh, once again went went across the Atlantic to uh, visit your your friend, your boyfriend in my Europe, boyfriend right? For my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And he surprised me with a trip to uh, Belgium. We went mm. to Brussels, Bruges, where I've been dying to go and then to Ghent all of which were beautiful. And mm. then I just came back last week again. Mm-hmm. And this time we went to Luxembourg. So wow. I've just been kind of bopping around. Wow. You're so lucky. You get to just go out there and travel and just do your thing. I, I envy you. I like, look at what you're doing. I'm just like, damn it. Why didn't I do more of that when I, when I had like the freedom to, I, I hope, but I mean, it sounds like it's a whole lot of fun. So I hope you're enjoying that. Have you been to any of those places we're before? Doing, yeah. I think that's why we're doing it now. Just so like, you know, um, there's been this lockdown itch and just being able to get out and, you know, just seeing these places post COVID or new COVID times has been interesting and mm-hmm. just not having any real obligations besides my cat um, and job, which thankfully we freelance and that's a little bit easier. Yeah. But yeah, anytime that, um i got a break in the schedule i love to just get out and we just kind of wing it we rent a car and just kind of wing it so who watches your cat by the way who watches okay. cats cat <laughs> my cat marnie uh is self-sufficient so if i'm only gone for like four days she's on a timed feeder on a schedule with a water fountain good to go during the christmas break when mm-hmm. i was gone for almost two weeks i had a friend pop in and Uh she kept tabs and sent me videos and wow uh marns is very well taken care of and to answer your previous question have i been to any of those places i've been to belgium before um just to brussels but everything else that we've been doing neither one of us has been to and bruges i cannot um recommend enough Mm. Especially if you like that movie in Bruges in with Bruges. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched that movie. Is is there a lot of water in Bruges? There is, right? I just oh, remember the scene like, with the yeah, 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 yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's so well preserved, so medieval. Um, we're so obsessed with it that we ended up leaving Luxembourg a day early, and we we're just like, let's go back to Bruges. Oh wow, that sounds like fun. Moving on. Uh, so Will and I and, and John, we went to watch the Batman and you were supposed to watch that with us, but you were not able to make it out because you had an early morning shoot the next day. And to be honest, I probably would not have watched a 10 o'clock movie that ended at 1.20 to make it to a 6 a.m. shoot. But I am curious, Kat, are you going to watch this in the theater? Are you going to wait? Or are you just going to skip it? Okay. I've been wanting to watch this in the theater since I saw the trailer. And mm-hmm. I was game to go with you guys. And then the call she came and I was like, Mm. I cannot. I went to bed at 8 p.m. What is my life? I felt so bad. I was like, can you guys find someone? Like, I've never felt more guilty. And also, just so our listeners Uh know, it's not like we all live close together. You three do. Yeah. I'm like an hour away. Santa Monica, right? Yeah. So if the movie got out at what, 120, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. I would have been home at like 2 30 yeah and then yeah I just couldn't do it and I felt so bad because that would have been our first uh official meeting face to face and yeah time out here so I think everyone needs to know I have yet to meet Kat in person we have not shared occupied the same physical space ever it will happen unfortunately Batman was not it but I wonder what movie it will be because that will be a special occasion But back to Batman, I will be watching this yeah. in the theater. It's just as the second my schedule frees up for, what is it, two and a half hours? Yeah, three. I w- three, exactly. I will be going. I had a friend ask me to go yesterday, and I was like, I can't. I literally don't have the time right yeah. now, but I will be seeing it in the theater. You're going you're gonna to like it. It's uh, 
I know I will. Like I've heard a, nothing but good things and I feel like a ding dong not being able to yeah. talk about it yet. No, but the, so they made it like a it's like a serial killer type movie heavily influenced by like Seven and Zodiac and David Fincher films. Very dark. I think you're going to like it a lot. The tone Ooh, is like right, right up, up my alley. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Zoe and Rob are like such a dream duo. Yeah, they're great. They, they were amazing. Uh, so I'm actually going to be reviewing this with John. We're going to do like a quick little 30 minute review later this week. So we'll be posting that as well. Uh, but moving on with the rest of our show, let's go ahead and uh, talk about the rundown on the latest in entertainment news. So first things first, apparently Pamela Anderson is going to get a chance to tell her side of the story in a Netflix documentary. Um, Pam and Tommy has apparently been a huge hit. Have you had a chance to watch any of the episodes? I am as of watching yet? it. Yes. Yeah. Are you? I have not started yet. It's like I have to be in a certain mood to watch it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I haven't been in that kind of mood just yet. And make sure but- there are no children present. Yes. yes. I, yes. I heard things. Did you, do you like it? Do you like the miniseries? I have mixed emotions about it because... The transformation of um, Lily James and Sebastian Stan are just phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. at certain points, I just like cannot believe these are people acting out these real celebrities that we've all known uh, for majority of our lives. Um, and they look so like almost identical. It's, it's beyond. Um, but Overall, like there are some cringy moments and I can go into that, but I'm just going to spare everyone. Overall, um, I think it's, it's a pretty simple story. I know it's about like the, the gist of the plot of the show is that the sex tape gets leaked and what happens and the duality and the double standard of what happens to Pamela and what happens to Tommy Lee is just unparalleled. She gets labeled a whore and, you know, treated and her, treated so poorly by everyone in the industry, her rights as a woman um, for private, you know, content, content were just completely violated. Mm-hmm. Whereas, mm-hmm. Tommy just gets treated as a playboy and everyone's like, yay, Tommy. Yeah. And her whole career just gets ruined. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. I don't want to brag or anything, but Pamela Anderson was one of the first celebrities I met when I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. And she was really, the- yeah. And I got to work with her. Um, I, I got to dress her for an event mm-hmm. and she was nothing but sweet and nice and have nothing but the most kindest things to say about her and how well she treated me and the mm-hmm. whole team. Um, and it's just so unfortunate what happened to her and watching this show is like, yeah, we get to hear this, to see the story reenacted, but she didn't consent to it. Like she had nothing to do with the, um, the Pam and Tommy show yeah. on um, what is it? Hulu and Disney. Yeah. And I think that's why she wants to tell her story. Do you think there's more of a story to be told? Do you think there are things that she doesn't agree with? Because it sounds as though really it's pointing out like the the double standard, right? And it seems mm-hmm. like it would, it's very pro-Pam. But do you think, well, first off, is it pro-Pam? And secondly, do you think there's more of the story to be to- told? I definitely think there's always um, a lot more of the story to be told just because mm-hmm. the show um, is again, a reenactment based on hearsay and things, you know, that people have heard or like what has happened or what was um, in the media. Um, I definitely think that when you're a celebrity of that caliber and when something so um, intimate of your life gets leaked and your life gets ruined, of course, there's a lot more to be told. Of Mm -hmm. course, Mm -hmm. Um, we're not privy to hear every celebrity side of the story and she's been so quiet and kind of private since Mm -hmm. that whole situation that I think it's important that she does get to speak and set the record straight because whether it's pro-Pam and anti-Tommy I don't think it has to be one or the other because both of their it's both of their intimate personal life that was exposed for monetary gain Mm -hmm. But because, but because he is a man, he was treated differently than no. where she as a woman got treated very, yeah. very differently. Yeah. Interesting. 
Well, yeah, I think I will definitely be watching both of those. I, I do have to watch Pam and Tommy. That, that's for sure. I'm waiting for my wife to be in the mood to watch it because no, nowadays she just wants to watch like funny, short 30 minute episodes of, of whatever. But uh, yeah, I will definitely be checking that out. Um, next on our list Wait, here. Yeah. Before we move on to next, this mm -hmm. is where my game comes in. Yes. So, All right. Kat has a game. Let's I do have game. a game. So let's do this. Um this is uh, very quick. So mm -hmm. Lily James mm -hmm. plays Pamela Anderson. Mm -hmm. Can you name, I don't know, two Lily James films? Yeah. Baby okay. Driver, Cinderella. Um, I am trying to think of some. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. There we go. Okay. And, so, uh, yeah. So you can name those. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Stan, who plays Tommy Lee. Can you name a couple of his movies? Uh, well, I mean, he's been in a ton of uh, Marvel movies, so just absolutely. Those. Yep. He was in uh, I Tanya. Uh huh. And uh, what else was he in? Um. Oh, what other movie? Oh, I've seen him so many times. He's been in he, a few shows too. Yeah. But... He was in this really dark movie with Tom Holland, where he played a corrupt sheriff. I forgot the name of it. Anyway, oh God, I go can't ahead. think yeah. of it. Anyways, we can name those now. Can you name? A couple of Pamela Anderson's movies. Uh, Barb Wire. Okay. Snapdragon. Um, wasn't she in Borat, the first one? Yeah, she was. Yeah. But okay. she usually just plays herself, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess the point I was making is that these actors who play in the show uh -huh. have more recognition than she does as... Yeah an actress and that's because of you know of the tape and that like really really sucks yeah that's true did did her Baywatch career come to an end because of this um I wonder I can't remember yeah. because it wasn't in the show and I can't remember but she wasn't a Baywatch movie which also like you know is not as big of a production as let's say Mamma Mia yeah. or Cinderella or all the Marvel movies yeah. and it's just, it's just so unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for I playing. See, yeah, no, I see what you're getting with that, though. Yeah, totally. There's that, you know, it's ironic that it's these huge ironic. stars it's are playing someone sad. whose career came to an end because of uh -huh. the sex tape. Yeah. And she was, um, she had such a promising career ahead of her, too. Uh, like, people were interested in casting her, and it's just... Mm. It just sucks all around. All right. Next in the news here is uh, the head of Warner Brothers, president of, of Warner Brothers, uh, came out and said that uh, all DCEU movies will now become more character and filmmaker driven films. Unlike, I suppose, if you had to make a comparison, movies like the Justice League or Batman versus Superman. Um, I mean, it's exciting to hear them say this, but honestly, I, I read this and I'm just like, well, what were you doing before then? Were you meddling? Were you uh, getting in the way of the director? Were you in the editing room, not letting them make their call, not letting not letting them make the movie that you want? I mean, obviously, the worst example of this, I think, is what happened to the Justice League. And granted, Zack Snyder had to step away for personal reasons. But when he came back and got to release the cut that he always wanted to release, it was an exponentially better film. And I was just left here wondering, what the hell do they do to his, his film? They, they didn't let him make the movie that he wanted to. But uh, they, this is refreshing news. Uh, Kat, do you have any thoughts or comments on this? To me, it just yeah. sounds like shade being thrown at the other comic book universes. Just be mm. like, oh, we're going to drive this uh, with these exceptional directors that we're getting. So, so sorry, Chloe Zhao, who did Eternals. Yeah, yeah. which is not Warner. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> shows how much i know but yeah Mar yeah marvel studios it just yeah. sounds like it just sounds like a little bit shady but also like tooting their own horn and but maybe it's great maybe they'll throw more money um at directors and yeah. that could be exciting to see for just just for the industry but let's yeah. see what happens they, they make it sound like they are trusting these huge movies to small um, unknown independent directors <laughs> but i mean come on matt reeves did the planet of the apes movies you know yeah. um but uh okay so that goes into our next little section here which we've been um you know playing for the last couple of weeks lament rent or movie going event 
I'm going to rattle off some movies and then, you know, it's up to you to state whether you don't want to watch it at all, whether you need to see this in the theaters or whether it's basically a rental. And I thought I would play a little game with you this time. Um, I am going to be rattling off the next five DC movies coming out and knowing how much you hate comic book films. I want to ask you. I don't hate. I just, <laughs> I'm too late to the game. Yeah. Like somehow I missed it, but let's try it. Yeah. And, um, so I want to ask you, which of these are going to make you go to the theater to watch it? All right, okay. here we go. So, and I'll, I'll rattle them all off first and then you can let me know which ones actually pique your interest here. All right. So first off, the next DC movie coming out is a Memorial Day weekend. DC League of Super Pets, an animated film. Uh, Black Adam, starring The Rock, is coming out July 29th, 2022. It's a loosely, it's a loose uh, prequel to uh, Shazam. We have The Flash, directed by Andy Machete, who also directed the uh, It movies. And uh, that will, it's been confirmed, Michael Keaton will be returning as his Batman in that one. That's coming out November 4th. We have the sequel to Aquaman with James Wan returning. That's coming out December 16th. And Shazam, the sequel called Fury of the Gods, will be coming out next June. So of these five DC movies, do any of them make you say, I will need to watch that in the theater? I'm sadly shaking my head. No, none. Um, who's okay. is, uh, um, is Jason Momoa playing Aquaman? Yep, he's back. Yep. Okay, if I had to pick one, it'll just be a Jason Momoa <laughs> film because I... I loved him in Game of Thrones okay. and um, enjoyed him very much in Dune. So if okay. I have to pick one, he honestly is saving th this game. I will make a prediction that of these five movies, if you had to watch them all, there is one that you will like heads and tails above the others. And that would be Shazam Fury of the Gods. Absolutely, unequivocally, 100%. Really? Because yeah. I was looking, I'm looking at it and I'm just like, okay, maybe, but I don't did you, think I've watch watched any of the other ones. Okay. So Shazam, there was one. Wait, there was one or two. There was one, yeah. Oh my so, gosh, this entire time I'm thinking of the two films with, um, oh my gosh, who's Blake Lively's husband? Oh, uh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. He was. Yeah, in, who who was he? Who what superhero was he? He was the Green Lantern, which was awful. No, and then who's he was the, oh, a guy Deadpool. who Deadpool. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. Oh my gosh, this entire time when I'm looking at Shazam, I'm like, is that Deadpool Fury of the Gods? That makes no sense. So so if you watch the first one, it's actually the biggest surprise um, in a movie theater that I've, I've had in a while. It made Will's top ten list two years ago. Directed by David F. Sandberg, who did a bunch of small independent horror movies. And uh, the studios loved him so much, they gave him Shazam. And it was touching. It was funny. It was it had great action scenes and a very uh, surprisingly good hero. I was like, Zachary Levi is going to play Shazam? What the hell? But it was actually really good. So if Do you I need watched... to know any backstory no, to anything? Y'all can just go in blindly? Yeah. Okay. All right. Anything if you watch this Fury of Gods intrigues me. <laughs> so um, that I think I could see. Do you think okay. I should just like change my answer? Yeah, no. So just watch Shazam one first. And if you don't like it, I will. I don't know. Buy you a drink with our crew if we ever hang up. But you don't drink, right? No, I don't. No. So yeah. that makes no sense. I'll think of something. Yeah, think of something if you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right, so that was a look at some movies coming out and whether Kat will watch them or not. We're going to take a little break and come back and review Nightmare Alley. But before we do that, we wanted to ask you all, please rate our show. Wait, what, was it? what did you say? Rate, rate review, and subscribe. Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe, as Kat so aptly put it. Please rate our show on whatever uh, podcasting platform, platform you're listening on. <laughs> yes, I'm not used to trying asking for your support but it's something that we most definitely should do but yes whatever platform that you're listening to us on uh, rate review and subscribe and we would love to have more listeners we do this because we love to do it and uh and you know, if you don't if like you... what we have to say just um don't say anything mean just stop listening because <laughs> i will no be one's reading mean. those comments um and if there's anything mean um that will break my heart oh and... <laughs> no one's been mean so far Good. Been okay. really nice. 
Well, yeah. now they should just uh, subscribe and yeah. say something really, really nice. On a side note, did you know that uh, my son, one of his first words that he ever, um, you know, learned how to say was the word subscribe? You know why? Oh, perfect. You why? know why? Because he watched way too much YouTube growing up. And so like, you know, he would not say a word and he'll be watching a show and he'll be like, subscribe. And we're just like, oh my God, we would be so happy at first. And then we would feel defeated because we let, we're letting YouTube raise our boy. Anyway. Well, great. You're, um, he's going to take over this multi-billion dollar podcasting business yes. we're starting for him. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. Now we're going to take a break and come back with our review of two Oscar nominated films. The first one of which is Nightmare Alley. Stay tuned. I will ask you simple questions. You will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth. Absolute truth. Now, brief as you can, what is your name? Stanton Carlisle. Are you a true medium? Yes, I am. Mr. Carlisle? Doctor, how about that? Please lay down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can, under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune! It's time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. If you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. This movie is about an ambitious carny played by Bradley Cooper. He has a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words. And he hooks up with a female psychiatrist played by Kate Blanchett, who is even more dangerous than he is. So I really wanted to watch this film. Uh, I thought I, I thought the only way for me to do that would be in a movie theater. But lo and behold, I was on Hulu and it was available to stream. So Will was over. We actually watched it together. Um, of all the movies that are talked about in our little group here, this is the one that I have no idea what you thought about this movie. So I wanted to ask you, um, after watching it, what were your thoughts about this film? And you have no guesses. No guesses. You were not a single guess. Do you None. think I would have lamented, rented, or movie going invented it? <laughs> movie going invented it. Just Correct. from the yeah. It's like, you know, it, it looked dark, very noir, very uh even the time period, I felt it feels like, oh, this is something Kat would like. But anyway. Gosh, this is a movie that, uh, like, if dark crime drama had a baby with a psychological thriller, that this has my name written yes, all it does. over it. Honestly, all over it. I remember seeing the trailer for the first time. I was like, what, like, monster story is this? And because I thought it looked a little supernatural, it kind of um, drew me away. But then once I like committed to seeing, I was like, I have to see this movie. I have to see it. Like, what is going on? Like, why haven't I seen it yet? I loved it. Like mm. everything about it. Um, I, I know my opinion is not popular, that this is not Del Toro's best work. But for me, oh my gosh, I think this is everything about this is phenomenal mm. and way, way better than um, The Shape of Water for me personally. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't, think? I wasn't a huge fan of shape of water. I, I liked the metaphor um, of what it was intending to, you know, what the story they were trying to tell. Um, this one was a more complete story. Um, for me, it was a little bit of a slow burn. So at the beginning, it took a while for it to get going. Um, it was my faith in him as a filmmaker and storyteller that kept me involved, knowing that um, this all was going to go somewhere and the way it was pacing, it made me feel like there was going to be just an oh shit moment at the end. And th there was definitely some of that. Um, you know, another thing that kept me going when it was slow was just the production design, um, just the overall uh, technical mastery, I guess that, 
you could say that was on um, on screen. The lighting, the set design was just top notch and costumes, uh, acting, yeah. all of it. I think mm -hmm. certain, I think one of the reasons the film is so long is because he does linger on scenes a little bit longer than like um, a regular direct, quote unquote, regular director would. Mm -hmm. And I think it is to show off the mastery of this production, which, yeah. which did happen um, during the pandemic. They started shooting, uh, then got shut down for six months and came back. And um, there's a story uh, that he tells Jimmy Kimmel on his late night show. Uh, who, that... who told uh, Bradley Cooper or? No, Guillermo? no, no. Uh, Guillermo del Toro okay. tells um, a story to Jimmy Kimmel about how on their last day of production before the pandemic shut down, Rooney Mara comes up to him and says, don't tell anyone I'm pregnant. And then after they came back, she already had the baby. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah. So, so yeah, I think the length of it is to uh, just, I don't know, get the big bang for the buck yeah. of this production yeah. and just make up for all of the unfortunate events that followed with the pandemic and slowing yeah. down the production. It was deeply unsettling, this film, um, even in those moments where it was slow, like, you know, at the beginning when uh, Bradley Cooper's character joins the traveling circus and he's in like a room just talking to Willem Dafoe's character, who I guess is the sort of ringmaster, there would mm -hmm. be just like jars that are preserving like dead babies and like yeah, all pickled, sorts of stuff. What do they yeah. call them? They call them like pickled something, pickled. I don't know. Guillermo del Toro has a name, a, a funny term for yeah. it. But I can't think of it right now, but yeah. yeah, they're just like pickled babies. Yeah. They're so, it's so Guillermo del Toro, you know, just that being there to make you feel just unsettled. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to get a sense of what I was about to watch because I wanted to convince my wife to watch it, but she hates scary movies. So then she's like, oh, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. There's ghosts and stuff. And I said, no, I, I read a few spoiler-free reviews and it said there are no supernatural elements, but yet this is his scariest movie he's ever directed. So Well, it does deal with violence yeah. and the violence goes from some like a very silent death and a very quiet death that we see with the um, beginning um yeah and then this very big and violent and tragic death that happens um towards the end and then of course the very subtle or this tragic death that um, Bradley Cooper's character goes through himself you know um this like self the, he built up this character that he is and then really he just all of that just goes away mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that is scary on so many on so many levels yeah did you think the violence was necessary at the end in the climax or do you think that it was over the top and just uh, i thought it was necessary yes. i okay. think so it's I. a film of contrast mm -hmm. um on so many levels um again um the duality of everything that we see even with uh, Rooney Mara's character versus like the Cape Blanchett, you know, so seeing the very violent death uh, very well contrasts the, that very quiet death with uh, um, Bradley Cooper's father. Yeah. In yeah. The film. Um, and the and I think the ending yeah. really gives the movie a full circle this completion because mm -hmm. not having that i don't think it would have the impact that it does yeah or it does so for me i thought the violence was key in the story they were trying to tell as i was watching it it just seemed like a story that was unfolding and by the end i thought this was really a, a cautionary tale like like a fable the way it happened and the violence had to be there because the person committing that violence in this case it was bradley cooper's character stanton carlisle he just mm -hmm. seemed fine with it like it's just like okay i need to do this to survive and protect myself whatever i have to do to in order for me to make it through i will do and i don't care it's like he was completely unbothered he was more bothered that he had to now go on the run or that this occurred and now his life is being made more difficult in a sense so for absolutely. me yeah the violence was i think absolutely necessary um let me ask you this what do you think do you think that there is a, a deeper story that he wanted to tell did has did that yeah. cross your mind at all what and what is that then 
Um, well, um, again, from seeing um, Del Toro and Jimmy Kimmel, he mm. speaks about how the film is based on a novel from the 40s. Right. And um, the themes that he really wanted to communicate um, are timeless. And it's um, is how it speaks to the now with the, the truth and the lies and understanding what reality is, you know, and that's very current and that's a theme that doesn't age. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the way I took this story is, uh, and you know, I could just be pulling stuff out of my ass, but uh, I I really feel like there, this is a, like I said, a morality tale. I feel like Bradley Cooper is in a sense us and uh, we all have the things that we struggle with are, are, flaws and the things that we don't do well and the things that we hide and and the kind of the treachery that lies in our hearts we think we're better than that and we try to overcome it but in the end that stuff will always come back and it's kind of who we are and so that no matter how much we try to run from the evil in our hearts we will always succumb to it so in that sense when people said that this movie is is really scary i think it's scary not because of the not just the violence but of what it's saying about the human condition that we are just flawed, like evil people. And that we, no matter how hard we try, will always, will never, we won't be able to change that about ourselves. And I feel like that's, it's very cynical, but I just couldn't get that out of my mind. And I couldn't, you know, I tried to think, okay, this is not what he intended to mean, but I just keep coming back to it. Do you think but there's some truth to that? But I think it's all of that when it's peppered with, um, greed and manipulation Mm -hmm. and deceit that's Mm -hmm. when it becomes this like very dark tale because again um there are all these themes are like are we born good and then we just become bad or are we born Mm. bad and then do we act on and i guess i guess this film does kind of reflect that but it does raise themes of what becomes of a human when they become so possessed with just greed and lying about yeah. things. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, what mm-hmm. um, did what version did you see? Did you see the black and white or the color? The color. The color. I did too, um, because initially it was released in black and white and mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro lit it to be shot as a black, black and, and white, white. film yeah. that is very reminiscent to those of 20th Century Fox, um, like film noirs from the 40s. Um, and I think... The lighting is just phenomenal. And um, this is a first film that was released in both color and black and white and theater simultaneously. Black and white would have worked so well for the subject matter, but I feel like the colors, the lighting, everything was just so lush. I feel like he would have done this. Especially for the carny scenes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. For anything that had to do with carnival, like we needed that tan um, gradient on it. It wasn't even sepia. It was just like, it made you feel like old timey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you some fun facts mm-hmm. about this film, yeah. which I hope you don't know, but if you do, yeah, I probably just don't ignore it. Yeah. Okay. Lay it on me. Um, so did you know that Guillermo del Toro reads tarot and that his mom is kind of a witch and she taught him to read tarot and he really? worked that into the film so beautifully um he is also uh, really into buying props on ebay okay so okay. there's some props in this film that were sourced on ebay like um all of bradley cooper's props in the opening scene um mm-hmm. Kate blanchett's office lights and all of the cash money that we see, he acquired um, on eBay. He probably has a junk room just filled with just random stuff. I feel like a guy like him, like needs to have the authentic things from that time. He probably just spends hours a day just <laughs> buying shit, I bet. He also used to sell um, when he lived back in Texas. And then he, mm. um, there's this one story he also tells about how he was selling a bunch of stuff and shipping was going to be too expensive. So he drove it from Texas to the guy. And the guy was like, wait, aren't you that director? (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. And then my last fun fact Mm -hmm. is that that pickled Cyclops baby is currently at his home in a jar. That is not surprising yet deeply disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, wait, also, did you know that he and his wife wrote this together? Really? I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, wow. so they're both freaking twisted people, I guess you could say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I yeah. guess you can say. And lastly, back to Rooney Mara uh, being pregnant. Yeah. There is that scene where um, I guess Bradley Cooper is chasing her right through the bus station. Mm -hmm. And there's one scene when they're chase he's chasing her and in that scene um she's pregnant and then mm -hmm. walks through the door and that scene she had already delivered the baby oh wow yeah interesting wow they literally just stopped filming like right in the middle mm -hmm. of production it looks like that's yeah crazy. he said that <laughs> they filmed all of the like the intimate like smaller cast scenes um before the world shut down and then everything with all the extras after the pandemic yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um is it not just wild yeah yeah i mean it should have been the opposite right yeah <laughs> but, uh, exactly yeah. but they had no idea so i guess they wanted to get like all the main cast out yeah before all the extras and then all the, they had to get everyone super covid tested and you know the mm. that whole protocol yeah yeah um, I mean, what else to say about this movie? Like really the, in terms of performances, um, I mean, everyone was really good. Um, uh, just Bradley Cooper's portrayal. I, I don't know what to totally make of it. Um, he obviously is someone that didn't reveal a lot. And I think that the, it was purposeful that we, that he didn't have an arc, he didn't have a journey and we weren't really supposed to feel close to him or, you know, we weren't supposed to identify with him. We, we were supposed to just observe what he did and try to see what's kind of underneath the surface. I thought that was a very interesting take. So um, I, I feel like he was good, but I, at the same time, wasn't very close to his performance. I wasn't able to identify that. That's not to say that he wasn't good in the part. Um, I, I will say though, that his character, I mean, by the end of the film, as I started to really just kind of break it down, he was just like a total sociopath. And I started to think about all the little things that he would do throughout the movie. I mean, the opening scene, a uh, spoiler alert, he kills his father, um, puts his father in like, you know, underneath the house. And I believe he burns the house down if I'm not mistaken. And I realized- yeah, he lets the father freeze, freeze I believe. And then yeah. he sets it on fire. Yeah. I, I, with the idea of thinking this guy just doesn't care about anybody, I rewatched the film. Cause during the movie, I actually thought uh, he's trying to do better. He wants to remake his life. He wants to take care of Molly, Rooney Mara's character. He wants to do this thing. But I think really all he wanted to do is just take care of himself. And even when he's trying to stop her from leaving on that train, he's just trying to protect himself. When he commits murder at the end, he did that to protect himself. And I realized when uh, in that scene where he accidentally kills David Strathairn's character, Pete, by giving him the wrong um, bottle, it's not because he felt remorse that he accidentally killed him. I believe that it's because he was like, damn it, I didn't finish learning what I needed to learn before he actually died. So seeing his character in that portrayal afterwards actually made me have much more appreciation for that. Yeah. Did you like any of the performances? I think everyone was stellar. And for me, um, I like Bradley Cooper in this role mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't a big fan of him in A Star is Born. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I don't know that, I mean, he was fine, but like, I'm sorry, next to Lady Gaga, that was yeah. just like nothing. Um, I mean, it was something, but like on the big scheme of things, um, I don't know. I thought he was good. I think everyone played their part very, very well. And um, Tony Collette, right, yeah. uh, was fantastic. Just she this was. one little ray of light in this whole story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because I think she is probably the only character who didn't have some like alternate agenda through throughout right yeah. like everyone else did and everyone else was just so consumed with this greed yeah 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 i just I was loved like it. <laughs> i was thinking to myself just stop just be okay just be content with where you are in life and you know of course his greed just drives him over the edge um all right let me ask you what your final review is of this movie out of five stars. What do you give it? Okay, it's bittersweet to give it four and a half. I'm not sure what I'm deducting the half point for. Maybe the mm -hmm. length. 
actually, yeah, for the fact that it dragged in certain places, that's why I'm giving it half a point less. The, okay. um, it, it is a slow burn and certain scenes did drag on a little too long. But overall, this film is just like, it's still sitting with me. I saw it almost a month ago and it's still sitting with me. And the longer I sit with it, the more I love it. Yeah. What about is this, you? Uh, I give it four. Um, it was a slow burn and it was, yeah, maybe slow isn't just the right description of this movie. I, I would say dreadfully slow at some points, but uh, you know, my faith in the director eventually did pay off. And uh, the last 30 minutes, I'm just like, Oh, don't do it. Oh my God. Oh my God. No, 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 stop. Oh. And then it's just, yeah, the shit hits the fan and it, it just goes. Do yeah, you think it has an too. Oscars? Um, chance a chance no. for an oscar no. no way no way in hell i, I don't think it does mm. do you i don't know no um no because i think everyone loved the shape of water so much and yeah. this is like a different kind of film and not everyone is going to resonate with it yeah, yeah. like you have to be some kind of cat twisted to really love this yeah yeah so yeah i give it four stars um a star deduction just for that that, that pacing um there is not really anything wrong with the film, but I'm not going to give it a five star because it just didn't resonate with me. And, you know, I feel like this movie isn't supposed to resonate with you. It's supposed to haunt you. And I think that's exactly what you said. You're still thinking about that movie. And I am too, actually. It's something that you just constantly want to want to break down. And that's why it's so unsettling and it makes me and probably everyone else that saw it makes them so uneasy as well. All right, that was our review of the film Nightmare Alley. We're going to be reviewing a film next that is a complete 180 for, from this movie, but they do have one thing in common, and that is that they are both nominated for an Oscar this year. So we're going to take a short break and come back with the review of the film Coda. Stay tuned. the girl with the dead family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now, I've got a feeling I feel so strange. Everything about me seems to have changed. I want to do this. There are plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? You will be required to have a hearing individual on board at all times. you for the rest of my life. I've never done anything without my family before. All right, we are back from break. You just watched the trailer for the film Coda, which we are reviewing now. So for those of you that are, are not aware, Coda stands for Children of Deaf Adults. So in this movie, as a Coda, Ruby, who is our, our lead protagonist, she's the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music by wanting to go to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston and her fear of abandoning her parents. So you had watched this before all of us. I watched it not really expecting much, but was really pleasantly blown away by it. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Kat, as someone that saw it before all of us, is this just something that you watched kind of randomly or did you already know about this film and were excited to watch it? Is that why you watched it? So I heard some buzz about it Um leading up to mm -hmm. award season. I was just like, okay, I have to watch it. And I'm not sure if you know this, uh, but it's a remake of a 2014 French, French film. film yeah. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, mm -hmm. um, 
French sometimes get it right. So let's see what's up. Um, I did watch it on Disney, um, which I'm not sure where you watched it. And that kind of made it feel a little bit more like naive to me or like Mm -hmm. anything I watch on Disney. I'm just like, oh, this is like a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. And although it did have some um, humor to it and some fun comedy, oh my gosh, this is a drama and it's so heartfelt and just so emotional. And I cried, like I cried and it really, it really just strikes something in you because um, the themes are so relatable and so authentic. And although throughout the film, as you're watching it, you know how it's going to end, you know, like, the, the arc's not important. It's the performances that we see and the, um, how the story progresses and how the conversations um, are being held when there's a lot of messaging that can come through just a simple scene or a one-liner or the express, expressions on the actor's face. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's, that's what really makes this film. Yeah, yeah. Um... So I watched this little little story here with my wife one night. Uh, we were in our theater room, which, you know, Kat, you could see behind me. And half the time, my wife doesn't want to watch any of the movies that I recommend that she watch during award season because uh, they're the type of material that she would follow 30 minutes in. And uh, it's like I would show her trailers and she'll never watch the trailers. I would say, hey, let's watch this. Let's watch this. Never watches it. Right. And then uh, this movie in particular, she's like, Coda, I don't want to watch. She thought it would be a de- depressing movie about you know deaf people and the struggles they face and then it's like literally 10 minutes in and you hear her you know ruby singing that song um on the boat she's like i like this movie like i just like everything about it i like the tone uh, and then it's interesting in the first like 10 minutes of the film you're not told that they're deaf like you don't notice that she's the only one singing and talking and you don't know that until they get off the boat and now they're in society and then you realize oh my god they can't speak she's the only one and it gets into it uh, and you know exactly like what you said like if i had to compare this to another movie i don't know if you've seen sister act two have you watched sister act two no, I have not. Sister Act 2 is basically this girl that really wants to sing, played by actually Lauren Hill, it played this character. And then uh, her mom doesn't want her to sing because like singing don't pay the bills. And then, you know, the mom goes to watch her at a performance is like, I had no idea you could sing like that. Of course you could sing. So as soon as like 30 minutes in, I was like, oh, it's Sister Act 2. But I was about to tune out. But then, like you said, the way they acted, how they communicate, uh, it's like a different language literally it's a different language but it's Mm -hmm. beautiful how they express emotion and how they get feelings across i felt like they were trying really hard to make this movie funny at first and not all of it was like hilarious or not all of it made me laugh they're trying really hard but it's okay they establish a tone but what i appreciate though is this is a very linear a to b story and you knew exactly what was going to happen but so many times along the way along that journey i was completely caught off guard um, and you know, it's not just sister act two, because I would say there were three or four scenes in a row at the end of the movie. Let me backtrack a little bit. I will say that when a movie tries to make you cry and make you feel something, if they miss, it'll do the opposite and it'll turn you off to feeling anything about the movie. And the more you try to, the more a movie can try to manipulate your feelings consecutively, the higher the chances of them failing. There was about three scenes in a row that just killed me and killed my wife. My wife was just like, I had to like clean Tell her me, tears. Was one of them the her performing yeah. and her parents watching yeah. and not being able yeah. to hear what she is singing? Yeah. But it's like the bit, it's her biggest dream and they yeah. don't understand yeah. that. And it's more than just like the scene is like so impactful because it's not just like, oh, we understand that they're deaf and they can't hear their daughter singing. It's that they can't relate to her dream and her wanting to pursue this. Like they can't even understand that. So that's when we started to get teary-eyed. And I think as parents, like we're like that. I expected that to happen. I expected them to look at the people around them and be like, oh, her voice is affecting them. But when the sound cut out and you're listening, you're watching from their perspective, I was like, 
oh my god this that's i i at that point if they were like you go to berkeley <laughs> at that that was enough for me but no they they went further right so the scene that really got me was the scene where you know uh, the, her father played by troy kotzer places his hands on her neck in order to feel the vibrations and the reason why I thought this was such a masterful script is they set this up in one of the first scenes of the movie, because when uh, he goes to pick her up at school, he's bumping rap music and then she's embarrassed. She tells a friend, Oh, he likes the way the vibrations feel. So that little scene set up that scene at the end. And that's what it's like that the script was really airtight. And that scene in particular, I think that scene is going to going to be what wins him the Oscar. The, his I love expression that. Yeah, yeah yeah when he looks so confused and just wants to experience what she's experiencing yeah sorry um I, and what was your third favorite scene oh the, the the third scene in the row was when you know they take her to berkeley and of course this is all predictable and they sneak into the room but yeah. then she starts signing for them and i'm like oh my god yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when she started signing that song um which i think in the film we hear few times but start to finish we only hear it on that stage and when she signs it for them oh my gosh like literally like I could not stop crying because it's so powerful and so impactful and so emotional on so many levels because it's truly something they can't understand and she wants to so badly have them respect her for quote unquote, abandoning them, mm -hmm. you know, and leaving them to kind of do it, like not, not have like someone who can, you know, speak mm -hmm. like a normal, normal, quote unquote, normal person, yeah. uh, w which is also that scene with the brother was so powerful for me when they have a conversation, yeah. because he is absolutely capable of taking on the responsibilities of the family if she goes. Mm -hmm. but the family wants her to stay because I guess she can hear and speak, but yeah. he can't, but he is capable. And he's just in that dynamic to me of an older yeah. brother uh, with his younger yeah. sister was just so beautiful. Um, I love the messiness of their relationship. And I love that the director didn't have a need to have a scene where they just make it all right. It's like, that's what real brothers and sisters do. They fight and they just get over it and there's still that family bond is there and we don't need to see that any of the conflict necessarily resolved in, in any way so I, I did like that a lot that was an interesting approach um and back to i wanted to just mention something on the this very very predictable arc that we knew what was going to happen mm -hmm. still within that what is it hour and 15 minutes knowing what was going to happen or like you know being prepared for what's going to happen we got three very interesting themes almost as if though three different mm -hmm. stories be told in the same movie and that is one of her family's of a family responsibility of ruby's you know um uh place in her family and what she has to do to mm -hmm. quote unquote provide for them this teenage love story and coming of age because we do see her trying to build this very genuine connection with a boy and falling in love and exploring that and then the pursuit of a dream which all could have been their own separate movies mm -hmm. but um they so very well live in 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 this uh in this one yeah yeah i i agree i i did appreciate all of those stories that are happening all of which were you know like we said somewhat predictable but it all came together because of the way the story was told um so little uh, fun little story here i was uh watching the batman with will and john and if it, i mean you heard john gush about this movie and how he talked about you know being a father of a daughter and also of a son how he was crying uncontrollably at the end and he was talking about how much he loved the movie i was sitting John on my right side, Will on my left side. And we were telling Will, you have to watch this movie. He ended up finally watching it, right? And he, and he was talking to me. I was like, he was like, yeah, I watched Coda. And I was like, oh, what'd you think? He's all, yeah, it was good. You know, it wasn't, wasn't like amazing or anything. It was pretty predictable. Felt like a Hallmark movie, to be honest with you. And I was like, yeah, I kind of get that. It's It has that sort of low stakes, made for TV family drama kind of feel, but uh, acted so well, directed so well, right? And then John comes back and I was like, hey, John, by the way, Will didn't like this movie. And then John just 
silently just turns, looks at him. And then he just says, I look at you differently now. <laughs> and then he just turned away. <laughs> and then it's like, I, I thought it was funny, right? And then like five minutes later, so what didn't you like about the movie? <laughs> and then Will told him, right? And then you could just see John just getting more and more angry. I've never seen him this angry when he's sober before in my life. It was the funniest thing. Oh my um, gosh, yeah. I'm so upset. I missed that because <laughs> I would have been looking at Will differently too. This <laughs> film literally pulls at every single one of your heartstrings if yeah. you have any. So maybe Will's the one who doesn't have a heart yeah, Maybe anymore. Will, yeah. Maybe he's just yeah. heartless. Yeah. yeah. It does. Well, that's what I was saying. I was like, I watched it on Disney. I was like, oh, it's going to feel it felt so like a Disney plus kind of movie, mm -hmm. right? A little bit, but it's still just so good. That's okay. So do you think this has a chance of winning an Oscar? Yes. I think this has all the momentum going into the Oscars. It's building and building and building. And it's crazy just to, I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, um, this has been an interesting year for movies. And uh, after after seeing all, all of the, the nominations that came out and having, we, I mean, still have yet to watch Licorice Pizza. I don't know. I know you probably don't want to watch that and drive my car. But other than that, I, this what they always do is if a foreign language movie gets nominated for best picture, they'll give that movie the, the foreign language award to just say, here, here you go. So I can guarantee you Drive My Car is not going to win this. Then again, Parasite won. So maybe I should just shut my mouth, but maybe it'll be another Parasite. But I really think this is going to win. If I had to put money on it, I would say this. Over the power of the dog? <laughs> yeah, I know you're joking because you and I hated that movie. I hated it. Yeah. It, it, yeah, that was not. But hey, the me. critics love Power of the Dog, so. Yes. I didn't. I don't know. Um, it's it's a tough one. I can't yeah. wait to record that episode. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, uh, when wanted to ask you, what is your final review of this film? Five stars. Yeah, Ooh. I'm giving this a five. Um, the pacing was good. The storytelling was good. The acting was good. I'm glad there was like a diverse cast. Um all around good good old film um not too long not too short five stars yeah. you I, I give it four and a half um you know there's still okay i think we're i think we're giving out five stars like candy these days i think okay gotta fine be a i'm giving it four and a half too i'm downgrading it because it, okay. it did feel like a disney plus movie yes yes so okay. the, the, the reason why is i thought it tried a little bit too hard to be funny and to be honest with you, uh, I told you those three amazing scenes in a row that just grabbed you by the throat and made you want to cry. In the middle of that third scene, they cut to a montage. I was like, no, please, no, not the montage. Don't, don't give me a montage. I don't need to know that the family will all be okay. I just am happy they're letting her go. And I have, will have faith that they'll be okay. But no, they had to tell us and show us. They'll be just fine. It's like, I really wish you didn't have to show us that. That I think... I would have given it the five if they didn't go there at the end for me. Okay. Personally. Yeah. Fine. Four and a half for me too, <laughs> because I don't, I guess I, I'm, cause I usually give out five stars to films that I will be watching again and recommending. Yeah. And although I have recommended this to so many people, this is not something I'm dying to rewatch. Whereas like nightmare alley, like I will be rewatching it again. I cannot watch them. <laughs> I think well, you and I, have very different ideas of what is a rewatchable film. Yeah. Oh, there are just so many like missable visual story building details yeah. that I know will make it make the experience much better. And I think I need to watch it in black and white too, just uh, just because that's how Del yeah. Toro wanted us to see it as yeah. well. All right, now I might need to see it in black and white again just to see what the experience is like. Exactly. That's actually gonna it's a, it, it piques my curiosity. Yeah. I mean, right. he did light it to be at to be seen as a black and white movie. So let's do it and then yeah. compare notes. Let's do it. All right. Okay. All righty. So before we close things off, just want to tell you all one more time. But go ahead and tell us, Kat. I, I forget. Rate or something and subscribe. Two R's and an S. Well, yeah. rate review and yes. subscribe <laughs> and go. again if I'm not you don't have anything nice to say please don't say anything at all because it will hurt my feelings <laughs> when I read every single review 
But if you do like what you're hearing, give us a fiver and uh, hit that subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, because we do do it for fun, for our fun and your fun. And yeah. this is, you know, just good old friends getting together to yes, talk. Absolutely. And Kat, you're going to have to watch the next time we ask you to watch a movie with us. You have to come. We'll, we'll wait for the right one, but we, you, you got to make it. I'll be there. All right. Sounds good. All right. That was our episode. We'll be back in probably what's going to be a few days with a little brief one-off review of the Batman. Uh, but until then, we just want to remind you that it's not so much the destination, but the things you watch and experience along the way. So watch good movies along that path. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Thank you.